Welcome to Anil Arana Live. These podcasts feature audio sermons and reflections from internationally renowned preacher and retreat leader Anil Arana, recorded live during his missions around the world. Video sermons and articles, please visit www.holyspiritinteractive.org or www.anilarana.com today. Good evening. I think God is going to do something special tonight, don't you? All of you believe that? You believe He's going to touch your hearts? You believe He's going to change your minds? You believe He's going to transform your lives? Then all together let's say, Amen! Amen. I'm going to begin with a little joke that I heard recently. There was this priest and this pastor standing by the side of the road with a sign in their hands, and the sign declared, the end is near, turn back now. Now there was a motorist who was driving by and he saw this pastor and this priest and this sign. He slowed down, he rolled down his windows and says, you fools, the end is not near and I'm not going to turn back He stepped on the gas and took off. And all of a sudden, the priest and the pastor heard this screeching of brakes, ski, and then a big splash. The car had obviously fallen into a river. The priest turned to the pastor and said, do you think we should change the sign to say bridge has collapsed? (laughs) Now there is a point to this story that is related to what I'm going to talk about tonight. That very often we see things but don't really understand them. Very often we hear things but don't really understand them. So I'm going to take you to the Word of God and may I ask you to please stand up. I'm reading to you from Matthew chapter 13. Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables. Later, the disciples came to him and asked, 
Why do you speak to the people in parables? Jesus replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. That is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will ever be hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. This, my brothers and sisters, is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. I find this fascinating. Jesus saying that many prophets and righteous men have longed to see the things the apostles saw and longed to hear the things the apostles heard, but didn't. I also find it fascinating that large crowds gathered to see Jesus, to hear him talk, would rather than talk to them in simple English or simple Aramaic, he spoke to them in parables. And when the apostles went and asked him why he spoke to them in parables, Jesus said, the knowledge of the secrets of heaven are hidden from these people and revealed only to you. And then I wonder, as I hope you're wondering, why would Jesus hide the secrets of heaven from everybody? Don't you wonder? Crowds have come, crowds of people. Forget about the people over here. Huge numbers. And he speaks to them in a manner that they don't understand. Why? Because he wants to keep, or so it seems, the secrets of heaven hidden. But then I thought a lot about this, and I said, Jesus cannot want that. So if people really cannot understand the secrets of heaven is because they do not really see what Jesus wants them to see. They do not really hear what Jesus wants them to hear. Consequently, they do not understand what God wants them to understand. The story, the joke that I started off with illustrates this in a very beautiful way. There's a man who's driving. He sees a priest carrying a sign saying the end is near, stop, turn back. And in his head goes what? All the things he's had. How many times has he heard this? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And he's not interested in the kingdom of heaven. If all he did was stop, ask the priest, what did you mean by the end is near? The priest would have told him the end of the road is near. But this man thinks he knows it. 
just like a lot of people think they know things. And which is why when Jesus tries to say something to them, they do not understand. The way we see things and the way we hear things are what affect the way we understand things. And what I want us to understand here today is we really need to look at, change the way we look at things and change the way we hear things. Let me tell you another joke. I told you this joke many, many years ago, and I don't know if some of you remember it, but it's a good one worth repeating. Sherlock Holmes, all of you know Sherlock Holmes? And Dr. Watson, all of you know Dr. Watson, one day decided to go camping in the desert. So after they set their tent up, they had a bottle of wine, they had a little meal, and then they got into their tent for the night. Sometime after midnight, Sherlock Holmes nudges Watson and says, Watson, look up and tell me what you see. And Watson looks up and he says, I see stars in the sky. So Holmes tells Watson, and what does that tell you? Now Watson is a guy who always wants to impress Sherlock Holmes, so he thinks about it for a minute. And then he says, astronomically, it means there are millions of galaxies and billions of planets in the universe. Astrologically, it tells me that Saturn is a Neptune. Horologically, it tells me it is about one o'clock in the morning. Meteorologically, it tells me that it's going to be a beautiful day tomorrow. Theologically, it tells me that God is great and we are just small beings in this universe. Why, Holmes? He's very happy. What does it tell you? And Sherlock Holmes turns to Watson and says, you idiot. It tells me that somebody has stolen our tent. Now, they both saw the same thing. They saw the sky up in the heaven. Watson was not wrong when he spoke astronomically and astrologically and horologically and meteorologically and theologically. There was nothing wrong in what he said. But the fact is, in all this learning and all this understanding, he lost the main point. The tent was gone. And very often we too, we too lose the plot. We can't see the forest because of the trees. And this is why many of us sometimes don't understand what God is trying to say to us. And recently after my visit to Chennai, I'm going to talk about that in a minute, I understood how true these words are. I want to postulate two things. One, truth is understood only by spiritual eyes. I want to repeat that. Truth is understood only by spiritual eyes. Now, can you repeat that? Very good. What does that mean? It means that unless we have the Spirit of God within us, giving us the understanding we need, we will always look at things from a worldly perspective. And there is a verse in Scripture that I really want to read out to you, and I want you to pay attention to this, okay? It is 1 Corinthians 2.14. Listen to this. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness, and cannot understand them because they're discerned only through the Spirit. Is that on the screen? Can you say it together with me? The person without the Spirit does not accept the things 
that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. Stop that. I have been speaking to you about the things that Jesus has said over the last couple of meetings. I'm going to repeat some of them to you now. And in all honesty, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I want you to declare in the honesty of your heart whether some of you might not think that these things are foolish. Like last time I was here, I told you that Jesus said, you must go out like lambs among wolves. I suspect there are many of us sitting here who thought that was foolish. I told some of you that I am going out like a lamb among wolves to a place where I might not return from, and I know that there are a lot of those sitting here who thought that I was foolish too. Think about the other things that Jesus has said, things that I've quoted, especially over the last couple of weeks. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the humble, blessed are the persecuted. Foolish, not foolish. I just need you to answer in the sincerity of your heart whether you think these things are wise or not. If anyone slaps you on one cheek, offer him the other. The cost of discipleship. If anyone wants to follow me, he has to hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, his own life. Foolish, yes or no? If anyone wants to follow me, he has to carry my cross daily and follow me. If anyone wants to be my disciple, he has to leave everything he has and follows me. Foolish or not foolish? Now the problem here is we have the Spirit of God. Every one of us has the Spirit of God. Yet, most of us sitting here believe that these words are foolish or impractical. Which is actually the same thing as saying it is foolish. Saying, okay, Jesus is saying these things that sound very profound, but honestly, they don't make sense to me. Because if they made sense, listen to me. If we did not think they were foolish, if we believed them, then we would put these words into practice in our lives. And we would start doing the things that Jesus has to do, no matter how absurd it might sound. Because the Spirit of God tells us, these are words of life, these are words of truth. Are you getting me? We are not accepting these words. And the reason we're not accepting these words is because we're not seeing right and we're not hearing right. I'm going to return to this a little later. The second thing that I postulate, the key, the key to understanding the kingdom of heaven is Christ. Christ is the key to understanding the kingdom of heaven. Repeat that with me. Christ is the key of understanding the kingdom of heaven. Let me read to you from Colossians chapter 2. My goal is that they may, I'm going to cut off a few words, have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You want wisdom and knowledge, you need to find Christ. You need to know Christ. 
You need to discover him. You need to love him because love is the answer. And I'm going to talk about this also later. But first, I want to demonstrate something to you so that you really know what I'm talking about here today. Imagine Jesus is here, okay? Forget that I'm here for a minute. Imagine there's a long-haired guy with a beard and these deadly eyes and this deadly smile. And he says to you, hi, hello. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. Then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Hi. Okay, Jesus is done now. It's back to me, okay? You're a typical audience listening to Jesus say what he just did, okay? I'll tell you the typical reaction. Some of you would frown. What? Some of you would shake your heads. There he goes again saying something I don't understand. I don't understand anything the man said. But most of the people listening would look at him like that. The words go in one ear, the words go out another ear. And they would continue to listen to him talk and talk and talk. But there would be a few. Like maybe this father and daughter couple here. Who actually listen to what he says. Don't understand it. But want to know what Jesus meant by the words that he says. So the father turns to the daughter and says, what did he say? And the daughter says, I don't know. He said something about the kingdom of heaven being like a treasure hidden in a field. A man found it. He put it back again, went, sold everything he had and bought the field. So the father asked the daughter, so what does that mean? And the daughter says, I don't know. Let's go and ask Jesus. So after Jesus has finished talking to people, stuff that nobody can understand, they come to Jesus and say, Uh, Master, Rabbi, do you have a moment? And Jesus turns and smiles and says, Yo, what can I do for you? And they say, You know that thing you said about the kingdom of heaven, you know, being like treasure hidden in a field? What do you mean by that? Now I'm back to being Jesus. Smiles at you. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he finds one of great value, he sells all he has and buys that pearl. And then he walks away. This is Jesus, I'm telling you. I'm the one who simplifies things for you. He never simplified anything for anybody. So they're more confused than ever before. Now if the normal people, they would say, who can understand this man and go about their way? But this father and daughter are very special. I mean, they're so special. They live in Sharjah. They come all the way to Jebel Ali to listen to me preach. That shows you how special they are. Yeah. (laughs) But now, hang on a second. Today is very hot. Mm. But I'm having a good time. They think, again, they discuss with each other. What does he mean? And the father says, he's a wise man. So he says, let's think about it, okay? In one story, he says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure 
In the second story, he says the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl, which means the kingdom of heaven is valuable. And the daughter nods her head. Yes, it must be of immense value. In fact, it is of so much value that both of them decided to sell everything they had to make sure they possessed the treasure. And then the father says, but there is one difference in the story. And the daughter says, yes, there is a difference. And the difference is this. In the first story, a man discovers this treasure by accident. In the second story, the man actually goes hunting for the treasure. But both of them find it. Now, what is this treasure? And they go to sleep. But all through the night, they're restless. Because all they can think of is, what is this kingdom of heaven? What is it about what is it about the kingdom of heaven that is so valuable? And suddenly, they wake up in the morning and they understand. They understand the kingdom of heaven is where they are called to be. Not here on earth, but somewhere else. A place where God dwells. A place where everything is beautiful. A place where there is peace and joy and happiness. And now that they know what the kingdom of heaven is, they want the kingdom of heaven. So the next day, they're running to Jesus again. Rabbi, Rabbi, hold on, hold on. I have discovered the kingdom of heaven. And I've realized how valuable it is. And I've decided to sell everything I have and to come and follow you. But you need to talk to me, Jesus. You need to tell me the truth. And he says, of course, I'll tell you all that you need to know. In fact, I'm going to begin now. The kingdom of heaven is like east. You know the pattern? Now, listen to me. I told you this also over the last couple of weeks, but I need you to understand this today. Not everyone can understand. So who can understand? Only those whose eyes are open to something different, whose ears are open to something different. And when they are looking... They're not just looking, they're perceiving. And when they're hearing, they're not just hearing, they are listening. Which is why when Peter was in the boat fishing and he caught all these fish, his eyes just opened because he understood he was in the presence of God. And the moment he saw that, and the moment he heard the words of Jesus next, everything in his heart changed. Which is why when Jesus says, come follow me, he left everything and followed Jesus. Now contrast this with a young man that I've always been speaking about. You know the young man, the rich man? One day he goes to Jesus and he says to Jesus, Jesus, what is the secret of eternal life? And Jesus says, you know the commandments? Honor the father, honor your father and mother. Obey God, do not commit adultery, do not covet your neighbor's wife or cow or bull or whatever. Do not do all these things you're not supposed to do. And the young man, remember the righteous person I spoke about earlier? The young man said, what else do I need to do? And Jesus looks at him. Go sell everything you have. Come, follow me. The same thing he told the apostles. But in this case, the young man didn't do it. Why? Think about it for a minute. Why? I thought about this a lot. And I realized, you know what? The young man didn't understand the value of the kingdom of heaven. Because if you were to understand the value of the kingdom of heaven, you would leave everything in the world and follow Jesus. Jesus was not asking him to just give up everything and get nothing in return. What did Jesus say? 
You work so hard on earth for treasure that moths will eat, rust will destroy, thieves will come and steal. I am promising a treasure that is even greater than this, that moth will not destroy, that thieves will not steal, that rust will not corrode. I am offering you a treasure for eternity. So the young man didn't understand, just like many of us don't understand, that we're not giving up something for nothing. We're trading nothing for the greatest treasure on this earth. Put your hands in the air. Everyone. Hallelujah. 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 Say, Father. I have heard your word many times. I have seen your wonder many times. I want to see differently. And I want to hear differently tonight so that I will understand differently. And having understood, I truly will obey. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. The reason I'm giving you this talk is because of something that happened in Chennai. I was there last week and I had a wonderful mission. It was absolutely phenomenal. It was very tough, one of the toughest I've ever been, um, one of the toughest I've ever done, but it was also one of the most blessed I've ever done. On the first day, this woman, she must have been about 55, 56 years old, she came to me and said, Brother, I've been for dozens of retreats. Every year I go for three or four, and I seek healing from God, but He never seems to heal me. And I didn't say anything, but it is very dangerous when somebody comes to me with a comment like that just before I'm about to preach, because then the theme of my talk just changes. And I looked at the people who gathered there, and I knew, with just a few exceptions, most of the people who had come to listen to me talk had been for other retreats listening to other preachers talk. And I also knew that most of those who were listening to people listened without getting anything. I wonder how many people there are here like that. They hear there's a good preacher in town and zip, make a beeline to listen to what he has to say. Listen, great talk, go back and your lives are not changed at all. And for me that is offensive. I want to say to your faces, I find that offensive. Not that you go and listen to other preachers, but that you listen to preachers and don't do anything about what you listen to. I mean, if you listen, go and visit 100 people. As long as you do what they're telling you to do, listen to thousands of people. But I don't see the point in going for retreat after retreat and not doing what you're being taught to do. 
Anyway, I spoke to people about how I wanted this to be the last retreat that I attended. And just as I was closing on the final day, I started to speak to pe people about forgiveness, you know, how essential it was to forgive others. And I noticed a cloud. I actually noticed a cloud descending in the room. And I also understood that for a few moments, everybody in the room had turned deaf. And I was fascinated because I'd never, ever seen anything like this before. So I checked it. I said, if any of you understand what I just said, please stand up. And nobody stood up. So I said, let's translate this into Hindi. So I got somebody in the crowd, and I said, please translate what I said to everybody in Hindi. And still nobody stood up. But then I'm in Chennai. You know, let's try Telugu. So I got somebody else, and I said, can you please speak to the people in Telugu? And again, Nobody stood up. I knew something was happening, okay? I knew the devil was running interference like never before, and he does that. I stopped. I said, there's no point in preaching because I knew nobody was listening to me. I took a break. I said, go have coffee. I went and prayed. Then I went to the priest and I said, I need the Blessed Sacrament exposed. Can you please come? So the priest got a friend of his, came and um, when the people gathered again, set up the Blessed Sacrament, brought Jesus in, and I told everybody, I just want you to confess one thing. I just want you to confess that your hearts are open and that you're going to see Jesus and hear Jesus like never before. What followed was drama. People started falling on the floor. People started screaming. People did all kinds of things. And even I, in all my years of ministry, have not seen anything like that happen, with the exception of perhaps in Africa. That was in 2008 when people were being slain by the hundreds. There were 10,000 people for that particular conference. Anyway, the priests were there. And um, wisely, they just stayed where Jesus was. And I was quite happy. And I went around starting to pray over people, especially this one woman who was manifesting in a terrible fashion. And within a minute, she calmed down. And then I started to talk to the people. And this time I knew that my words were penetrating. And the effect of the penetration, simply because they'd opened their ears and were actually listening to God, was tremendous. And I have never, ever seen healings like took place in the church that day. And this is the point. That this woman, for instance, she's just an example. She represents most Christians today. Retreat-going Christians. That they go to a retreat seeking healing, seeking deliverance, seeking blessings, but expecting God to do these things on their terms. God is not anybody's slave. You need to work according to God's terms. And the moment you start doing that, then God starts to open the channels of His grace. And I'm telling you, you will see things like you have not seen before. Forgiveness. It's a long time since I've spoken to forgiveness about forgiveness to you. You know what's happening now? The moment I mention forgiveness, the eyelids are starting to close. How many of you feel that here? Your ears start to suddenly get deaf. Your mind starts to get distracted. And for years I've been wondering why this happens. Why sometimes healings take place by the hundreds and sometimes nothing happens. And the reason is this. 
Because when words of life are being spoken, people are not hearing, people are not seeing, and people are not understanding what needs to be done. What is the point? And Jesus knew that. And he said the secrets of the kingdom of heaven are given only to a few. Because everyone else is bloody deaf. Everyone else is blind. They don't see, they don't hear, they don't understand. Do you understand? I believe you do. I would like to think you do. And I would like you to say that you do. Do you understand? Yes. Everybody? Yes. So let's talk about forgiveness again. And the reason I want to talk about forgiveness is because I've realized we still have unforgiveness in our hearts. The smallest hats, and I'm talking of people with the ministry, people have done schools of discipleship, people have gone to retreats, not one or two, 20, 30. People have gone for inner healing sessions. People do all kinds of things for God. And the most basic thing, the most basic thing they do not do, which is to forgive other people. How do you expect anything else? Like Paul says, by now you should be teaching others, but you're still having to drink milk. And the reason you will continue to drink milk for the rest of your lives is because you're hurting. If you're hurting, tell me, how can you bring healing to anybody else? If you have pain in your heart, tell me, how are you going to take away the pain from somebody else's heart? If you have anger and bitterness in you, how are you going to bring peace to a world that is in despair? Every one of us is supposed to make a difference in the world. How are we going to do that if we're not like Christ? Because the words of Christ do not make sense to us. They're foolish. Everything we hear is foolish. If someone slaps you once you go from here, the foolishness. Let anybody do that to you, and I'm telling you, you'll box them in the nose if you could. And that is the truth. Jesus says, forgive others as I've forgiven you. Do not come to the altar without first having made peace with your brother and sister. How many of us go to the altar and say, Jesus, I need this blessing. I need that blessing. Well, we have strife in our house. We have strife in our office. We have strife everywhere around us. Where is the peace that Jesus says you need to come with? Are you listening to me? I hope you are. I hope you are. I want to talk about Syria. I determined not to talk about Syria today. But I want to talk about it. And the reason I want to talk about it is because there's a good chance I might not be coming back from that. But I go there. And I want to tell you again why I'm going there. I want to go there because I believe in the gospel of Jesus. I want to go there because I believe that the things that God says are not foolish things. <coughs> I want to go there because I know of no other way to bring peace to a world unless I become loving like Jesus. And if you want to change the world, you have to do the same thing. You have to. Unless, of course, you think it is foolish, in which case you're wasting your time with Jesus, with the faith, with the retreats you go for and everything else, because truly, it is foolishness. I had a, <coughs> I had a woman who came to me the day before yesterday, she came because she was suicidal. And she told me, 
that she was depressed and lonely and she had lost all point in living and at one time she was very close to Jesus but now she had lost her relationship with him. And then in the middle of the conversation she said, look at the world, what it is today. Look at the way we are hurting one another. Why are people doing this? Why is God letting them do it? And I said, because of you. Jesus didn't mince words. I've realized that too. Because of you. You bring peace to the world. You bring joy to the world. You bring smiles on people's faces. You bring happiness into people's lives. You go and share the gospel with people. What the world is going to change on its own. God's going to come down again. See, you didn't understand the first time, so let me send my son Jesus down the second time. He will go through the passion again. We'll make him be tied up again. We'll make him be beaten again. We'll make him crown with thorns again. We'll give him this cross and make him carry it up a hill again. We'll have people spit at him again. We'll have him crucified on the cross again. And maybe this time people will understand what this is all about. He's not coming again, except maybe to judge. And I want to make sure when he comes this time to judge as many people as possible, including these guys who don't know Jesus and don't know love, might be able to stand in front of Jesus and say, I'm on your side. But the question for you is, whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? And if you're not standing up for Jesus, you're not on his side. How do you tell your friends from your enemies? Tell me. Are you my friend? Yeah. If I am in trouble, if I am in need, and he's really my friend, he will stand by my side. If he's not my friend, he will run for his bloody life. That is how I know whether he's my friend or not. Jesus is calling. He's saying, see me on the cross. Why did I die? I died so that these people might receive my forgiveness. Because my forgiveness unites them with the Father, with me again. And then he says, despite all the sacrifice I made for them, so that they can be forgiven, so that they can come to the Father, so that they can come back home, they will not forgive anybody. What do you think he feels when he looks at you? Tell me. What do you think he feels when he continues to see the hatred in your heart? What do you think he feels when he continues to see the way we hurt each other? Seeing you do not see, hearing you do not hear, which is why our hearts are calloused and you do not understand. What is it going to take? I know some of you are good people trying to do the best you can. But I know most of you are doing doodly squad, I'm telling you. What is it going to take? It's going to take me to die? I tell you, even that won't make a difference to many of you. You'll say, 
stupid fellow, he went to Syria where he knew he shouldn't have gone. That's what most of you will say. But maybe some of you, and that is why I'm saying these words, some of you will say, let me pick up the cross that he has left behind and carry it. And maybe if he died, it was for a reason. Maybe he really understood Jesus and the words that he said. So let me really see what Jesus has to say. And maybe you will go to Jesus and say, what was that all about? Why do you ask us to die for you? Why do you ask us to carry our cross? Why do you ask us to hate our fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters? Why do you ask us to leave everything? And that is faith. Faith is like a mustard seed. We all have a measure of faith. But that faith cannot be put in a pocket. And we go around and say, I believe, I believe. For faith to grow, it has to be planted in soil that is fertile. And that's the parable he spoke about here. That the Word of God has to be planted in fertile soil. The problem is, most of us have worries. Most of us have anxieties. Most of us have tensions. Most of us are so easily distracted. The devil comes around, whispers a little bit in our ears, and there we're gone again. Most of us are tired. We overwork so much that we have no time for God. We have no time to listen to His Word. He told the apostles, I've given you the secrets of heaven. Then He frightens the daylights out of them. He said, but be careful. Because if you don't use it, what you have will be taken away. Don't be complacent that you know Jesus, that you have Jesus. Don't be complacent. One day this man, he told the story of this man who went away on leave. So before he went on leave, he called his three servants to him. He gave them five talents. He gave one of them five talents. He gave another one three. He gave another one one. After he finished his work, he came back and he found the first servant had multiplied the five talents he'd been given. The second one had done the same thing. But the third one had buried that talent into the ground. And you know what he did? He shouted at that youngest, that, that third servant, took whatever he had, gave it to the man who had something, and he said, you wasted what I gave you. Paul in his letter to the Romans says, every one of us, this is 12.3, every one of you has been given a measure of faith. What are you doing with that faith? Faith, if it is not used, will atrophy. It's like a muscle. Put your arm in a sling for six months. Don't use it for six months. I'm telling you, after six months, you will not be able to move this arm even a little bit. Faith is like that. You take your faith and you put it in you and what is going to happen to it? One day you'll have the barbarian at your doorstep and you will not be able to do anything to him and he will cut your head off and it will all have been for nothing. No matter. Nothing. Just like that. Someone comes and takes your life and, and you wonder what was the point and purpose of it all. They are going to do it. So why not instead go in front of them, go in front of the enemy and say, look, hey, I think you're hurting. Let me talk to you and let me see if I can bring healing to that heart. But that enemy is very far away. How about the person next to you? How about the person in your home? How about the person in your office? How about the person in your prayer meeting? How about the people we go out with? How everyone is hurting. Every one of you is hurting. Come on. Every one of you. Every one of you is hurting. And you just sit over there like nothing is wrong with you. Heal one another. Start using your faith. All it needs to, all it takes is to go with somebody and say, tell me, tell me what I can do to help you. Are you in pain? 
Tell me what I can do to take the pain away. That's all it takes. Am I asking you to do something too difficult? Oh, so self-involved. All we do is just ourselves, ourselves. Look at the people around you and get out of yourself and you will see that whatever you're going through is nothing, is nothing, really nothing. Your ears are open. I believe. And I want you to do this. I want you to make it a lifestyle every day of your life, starting from tonight. And tonight you say, where do I go? Go to your homes. All of you have homes? All of your people you live with? Some of you are singles. I know you stay alone, right? You have a neighbor? You have a friend? One friend? Pick up the phone. Call them and say, how are you doing? Ask them to tell you what is wrong in their lives. And all you need to do is listen. All you need to do is listen. Trust me, that will bring healing. And if you make that a habit, if you make that a habit, remember what Jesus said. Those who have will have more. They will be blessed abundantly. They will be blessed more and more and more and more. And I'm telling you, you will not be able to stop the blessings that flow your way. Children of God, I'm going to continue this talk next week because I'm not done yet. But we're out of time. But I pray, I really pray, that today, in addition to what I just told you to do, you will do one more thing. You will hunt Jesus down. You will do what I just described this father and daughter doing. You will open the word of God. You will see something that Jesus has said. It will not make sense to you because nothing that Jesus says makes sense at first glance. Seriously, nothing. You will dig into it and you will ask Jesus and ask Jesus and ask Jesus to explain what he meant. And when you do that, he will start talking to you. And he will reveal to you things that he has kept hidden from the wise and the learned. All these people think they know so much. Guys like Dr. Watson, go up there. Oh, meteorologically this, horologically this, blah, 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 blah. He will tell you the essence. He will tell you the truth. But you can grasp this truth only with spiritual eyes if you are next to Jesus. Open the eyes. Open the eyes of my heart. Do you know that song? Choir, do you know the song? Come. Do you want to see Jesus here today? Really see Jesus? You know, many times I tell people, we're going to sing this song, close your eyes, and they will still keep their eyes open and they will sing the song. And you wonder, did they hear you? Did they understand you? Or are they just being stubborn? You can't see Jesus with these eyes. But you can see Jesus with the eyes of your heart. And today I want us to long to see him. And before that, I just want to tell you one story. I don't know if I've shared this before. I couldn't have. This happened to me in the first day of Chennai. I was depressed. <clears throat> you know, I get depressed too sometimes. I, I just sometimes think I'm wasting my time with everything that I do. Worship was going on and I knew in a few minutes I was going to go and preach and I just couldn't. I was sitting there with my eyes closed feeling like an orphan, really like an orphan. I felt like I was destitute. I felt like I was friendless. I felt like I didn't have a single person in the world to care for me. And then all of a sudden 
I felt someone next to me and I knew it was the father, my father, your father. And he said, what are you doing here? Why are you on your own? He said, come into the house. And I said, no, I don't want to come. I don't feel like coming. And he sat down with me and he put his arms around my shoulder. And he said, Anil, whatever is troubling you, don't let it worry you because I love you and I can fix it. Come into the house. And I got up and I let him take me into the house. And then I just started weeping and weeping. And you know, I'm a preacher about to preach and everyone's looking at me and thinking, what kind of preacher is this crying like that? But I was just so happy because that's how much the Father loves us, that He comes out to get us. And unfortunately, we never discover that love because we're always looking with these eyes instead of these eyes. Today, when we sing this song, close these eyes and really say, Jesus, I want to see you. Okay? Stand up. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Lord, we really want to see you here tonight. We felt you stir us up with some beautiful worship, Lord, that we know brought your presence here in our midst. And now that you're here, we just want to see you. We want to get a glimpse of you. And we want to know that the things we think about you are true, especially of your great love. And as we look at you, Lord, we want to feel you touch us. We want to hear you speak to us. But more than anything else, we want to see you. So open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. See you high and lifted up. To see you high and lifted up. Shining in the light of your glory. Shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love. Pour out your power and love. As we sing, holy, holy.
your eyes closed. Keep the eyes of your heart open. And know that Jesus is standing right in front of you. things that we need, every one of us, and the things that He wants to give us, but on His terms, and His terms are simple, listen to me, believe me, and obey me, and then follow me, that is it, let us just declare that to God here, with honesty. Forget what happened before you came here. He doesn't care. Nobody cares. But say to God with me, Jesus. Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. I see you. I will listen to you. I will listen to you. With faith. With faith. I will believe what you say. I will believe what you say. You will help me understand you will help me understand and I will follow what you ask me to do and I will follow what you ask me to do you will give me the strength you will give me the strength the courage the courage the confidence the confidence and the grace and the grace thank you Jesus thank you Jesus for today for today for helping me to see for helping me to see for helping me to hear for helping me to hear and for helping me to understand and for helping me to understand bless me bless me and all I love and all I love as I leave here tonight as I leave here tonight help me to bring love help me to bring love to all around me to all around me and all your people in the world and all your people around the world Amen Amen Praise the Lord Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you again. You guys are wonderful, really. Thank you. Once again, let me put our hands together for them, please. Hands together for our God. <laughs>